Hello and welcome to another episode of Grow Your Patch, a podcast about gardening and self-sufficiency. From growing food to flowers, house cows to hens, this podcast is going to help you get the most out of your patch of dirt, no matter how big or how small. And I'm your host, Shannon Crocker, a gardener, farmer, self-sufficiency dreamer, a person who loves to make the most out of my patch of dirt and helping others do the same. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Grow Your Patch and today's episode I have Megan Adams on the line. You might know her from Instagram. She's Gingham Gardener. Hey Megan, how are you going? I'm good Shannon, how are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. You are someone I've come across recently on Instagram, although we did know each other from a lifetime ago at boarding school. Yes, we did. It feels like just the other day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just the other day. And also uh, so much has happened since. But I came across your Instagram page and I was so impressed with the things that you've been doing in your garden. I'd love you to tell our listeners a little bit about where you are, what you're doing, your climate conditions, all of the gardening things. So I live just north of uh, the town Moree. We are just on the edge of um, northern New South Wales and um, we get pretty hot. We get up to 40 degrees and down to about minus two. So our climate's quite warm. We um, can grow many things in winter and also summer, but it gets pretty hot in summer and um, veggie gardens can tend to get away in summer. But our um, Soil's quite good here. We're not the typical Maori black heavy soils. Where where we are, we're on a sort of a red ridge, which is quite a heavy clay um, and very hard. But my garden has just been built um, on that red dirt and just um, with some cotton compost. Um, uh, so, and the garden is just all about growing our own food and incorporating we're sort of growing a lot of fruit trees now and got the chooks in there and the kids are all involved yeah just my philosophy to get everyone involved in the veggie garden growing food I love it uh and I'd like to know a little bit more about this cotton compost because I saw some before and afters in your garden just recently and it looks incredible yeah so we the site that we live on used to be an old cotton gin and so we're very lucky because we have all the old cotton compost. So I can't, I'm not sure how old, but my guess is, you know, 15, 30 years old. So it's when you look at it, it is literally just 100% decomposed uh, cotton matter and it just looks like soil. So all the hard work's been done for me and I just um, get tractor loads of it and just that. I just, for my bed preparation, all I did was um, got my borders under control and I just put my compost on top, my, my garden beds, I sprayed with Roundup, my, my veggie beds, I just put the compost on top and then just weeded as the grass sort of came through. We've got a lot of cooch and I think cooch will come up through cement. So you just got to stay on top of it, keep weeding it and just put it on thick, starve of sunlight, mulch if you need to. And um, it seems to be going pretty well. Yeah, no, it looks incredible. And lucky you, what a, what a great thing to have what you are. It's so good. And if anyone is near a cotton gin, um, they've got to do something with their waste and they, it is composted um, or they've got a contractor to come in and compost it. So if you're near a cotton gin, um, it's definitely worth worthwhile getting it, seeing if you can get your hands on it or um, it's a good, cheap, bulk way to get garden soil. 
That's fantastic. Now, you haven't been in your garden too long, have you? It's quite a new move. No. We moved um, here about 18 months ago and we started the garden up here from scratch, which for some people can be quite daunting, but in other ways it's so good because you can do what you want. I had, you know, there was no um, garden beds I didn't need, didn't want. I could do it all blank canvas and do it as I needed it. So in that respect, it's worked really well. And we cleared the veggie garden itself is about four acres. Um, It's an old horse paddock and uh, we had some old horse stables that we just converted into the chook cages. And the veggie garden is then, it's a square and then the veggie garden is centred in the middle of it and it's probably about about 25 by 20 metres wide. And um, so that's fenced off from the chooks, but the chooks have got free range for all the fruit trees around it. That's that's not all planted yet. I've got a nature strip on one side about trying to get all those beneficial um, insects in, get the birds back in, and we're right on the side of the stock route. Um, just just getting trees back in there and a bit of um, structure and building that microclimate up for the veggie garden. It was the most important thing there. Well, it does. You've done it. You've done an incredible job in such a short amount of time. But oh, thank tell you. us, but tell us, Megan, where did this love of gardening come from? Well, I think uh, originally my mum and my nana, um, both my nanas were gardeners, and my mum's mum lived out at Galagenbone Quambone Way, and um, they were all just about you know growing what you can grow and then whatever grows well just doing more of it not trying to manipulate your environment and growing things that are hard work just growing what grows well and repeating that and I think that's where I got it from um uh, mum has used to have an amazing garden here at Moray and she lives out at Baraba now and um you know the, the both of them my nan's in her um, nearly 90 and she still gardens and mum still gardens so I think that's where it came from originally my dad's mum was a um I sort of got my love of roses I just remember walking around her garden and looking at her roses and just um you know picking one or two and bringing them back inside I think just got a love of flowers and so it's in my blood I think and um my pa was he was a veggie grower I'm told so he was a big chook and veggie grower so I think it's everywhere for me at the moment I love it it's such a nice thing to having those traditions and and seeing the people in your family that have got a love for gardening and I think we pick up on so many tips and and then we just we pass that down to to our children, and it's a nice it's a nice little thing. Yeah, it is. And my kids ring grandma and talk to her about gardening. And my nan sends some videos of her chooks and that sort of stuff. And for nan's birthday, we're giving her more chooks. So we've got a little of my auntie and my nan and the kids and I. So it's a really nice thing for kids to connect with, um, particularly older people as well. It's this. Um, inside the family and outside it, it does make a big difference to so many people just having that um, core interest and, and getting it out there it, it grows like a weed after a while absolutely now your garden patch is particularly productive I'd love you to talk us through what you're doing in your patch now what you've got growing what's coming up what you love to grow you know talk us through your veggie garden so at the moment, the summer crops are finishing up. We've really, the last two mornings have been quite cool here. So um, the summer crops are really turning off. There's a lot of powdery mildew creeping in, um, in the zucchinis and the pumpkins, um, which is fine. I just leave them there. So they will just sit there on the vines until I need the space. Um, 
so the summer crops are dying down. The winter crops are going in. I've got my brassicas sort of getting up and getting going quite well now. A lot of lettuces in. Great time of the year to have English spinach. It's my favourite thing, salad to grow in the winter. We can't grow it here in summer. Um, and as those plants are finishing up, I just tend to top dress again with the compost, finish, fix up any holes that might have happened. You know, there's always a few issues with mice or something like that, digging under those vines and things. Um, then cover cover with mulch and replant. I've got um, lots of lettuce in. My peas are in. My faba beans are in. Um, what else have I got in? Um, Asian greens and um, lots and lots and brassicas. Um, so yeah, that's that's what's happening at the moment. It's a real transition phase um, as one finishes. I tend to leave the the um, winter vines there because I have quite a bit of space. I just leave the vines there, let everything stay on the vines until I need them. I did pick my first pumpkin last night to test it, and it was ripe. So um, as long as I let them die on the vine, if you've got got the room. And then just mulching and keeping things watered at the moment is what's happening in there. Yeah, absolutely. You're, ab- you're completely right. It is a transition phase from going from those summer veggies and then getting into winter stuff and it's all all a little bit little. Uh, do you do much succession planting with your veggie gardens? I do. I try, I try to do seeds myself, but I'm pretty good at forgetting about seeds. So I tend to do more seedlings. Um the kids like to do seeds, um, I tr- so we try and do a bit of both, but I usually get behind or I'll forget to water and they'll um, die before they even get to the veggie garden. But seedlings are a great way to go. Um, I've just started buying a little bit online just so I can get, uh, you know, a run of good, uh, a run of the same variety and then you can be at the same time and then I'll follow in. I'll always go to my local nursery and get um, the fill-ins from behind there. But if I get behind and I just need to ramp things up, you can you can get that good line of seedlings and stuff, and just make sure you can keep prog- the progression going. And as you're picking your planting, so in my lettuce beds, um, for example, um, you can I'll have it all planted out in a big grid, and then as I pick my lettuces, I'll try and put um, you know a brassica or something straight back in there, so that holes. Um, getting filled, and you, and and then it, there's always something growing in there. You're always better to have something growing in your soil. Um, so I just tend to when something comes out there, if you've got these seedlings, you can put something straight back in there. Yeah, that's a fantastic tip. And, and it's just purely, and if you're someone who's new and you're wondering what we're talking about, um, it's just purely so that you're not having a huge amount of seedlings at once that grow up and, you know, you have 15 heads of broccoli come on at exactly the same time. And then three weeks later, you've got not, not a single one. So it's just... exactly. It's just, continual planting so you've got that longevity through the season yes it and in a perfect world I would have my seeds going so that you can just pop them in as you go but very rarely does all the stars align and everything go smooth in the veggie garden and that's why it's so good to have the nurseries there and you can just pop something and get a punnet of four and you can you know put one in here put one here if you don't need it or you can give some to your neighbor or something like that as well yeah and that's so true and look I think everybody's guilty of putting seeds in, getting them up and then, oh, you forget them. I know there's been a couple of times I've got home and I've gone, oh, God, the seedlings, you know, Um, (laughs) and they're a bit more forgiving when the weather's cooler, uh, not as forgiving (laughs) when the weather is hotter. So, um, yeah, I and, think- and the the wind is just, you know, like if, you, if you're doing it in summer, that wind just, just rips through and dries everything to a crisp, doesn't it? It does, yeah, it really does. Yeah, it's my favourite, my favourite anyway time of year to be in the garden is this, is this season right now because 
it is a little bit more forgiving. It's a nice time to be out there and, and purely just it's such a good time to be getting those veggies in and, you know, winter greens are just so yummy. They're perfect. They're so good and they're so quick, you know, same as the Asian greens. You can, you can, if you don't have much room, you can grow them between your brassicas and use that space because obviously the brassicas get quite big, but you can intercrop there and, and make use of your space with those little quick crops. Yep, absolutely. Now, Megan, do you have any great tips for, for gardeners that are growing their own veggies this winter? Um, probably tips is for everyone just to start their own patch and not to overthink it. It's, it's really hard not to get on Google and just research and research and research, but it, it can tend to get a bit overwhelming sometimes when then you start talking about rotations and worrying about fertilizers and all this sort of stuff. So I think for new people, it is just to start, get your stuff in there and, um, just making that starts you'll learn your lessons as you go and at the end of the day if you have a complete miss with veggie gardens you've done six dollars worth of a punnet you know like it's not a huge miss it's not like going out and putting a hedge in or a rose garden or something like that veggies are so forgiving that um and every climate's different everyone's got a different micro just by starting you will you'll teach yourself your own lessons as you go so i think if everyone is keen Everyone seems to be getting on the bandwagon of it all and there's so much information out there, which is great. But if you're starting completely new, just have a go. You'll learn your own lessons and, and you'll, you'll have a little look at what's seasonal and what should be going in the ground instead of getting to a um, nursery or, you know, a big department store or something like that and just buying off the shelf. It may not be the right thing for you. So knowing what to grow is probably the best thing and then just make a start and, and go from there. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And you're completely right about veggies being a bit forgiving. If you, as long as you have some great nutrient-rich soil for them to go into, they they will perform. It's it's wonderful. Whereas sometimes, yeah. like, as you said, with other plants, they can be a little bit more pedantic about soil type and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, you build up that nutrient-rich soil and they, they're away. So those are some wonderful tips. As I scroll through your page, I do see you have a love of roses as well. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. It's a completely new one. I've always loved flowers and my last garden um, was really, really um, heavy ball water and I couldn't grow many flowers at all and that I think is what pushed me into the passion of veggie growing because you can grow so many leafy greens still on the heavy ball water, whereas you can't, it's very hard to get something, a fruiting veggie like a tomato or a zucchini where I would, could, couldn't get them to come through unless I had the rain there to back me up. Whereas this new garden, we're on ball water as well here, but it's much, much softer and you can grow lots of things with it. And, um, I got into roses. I planted my first lot of roses. I just got, um, in the ground last winter and it's really it's, it's really developed it's um it's quite addictive you get on those sites and you go to the local nursery and you look at the pretty pictures and you pick one so you buy four so it's yeah it's it's I do love my roses as well yeah no they are addictive that's for sure and it's the time of year to be ordering your bare-rooted roses too if if you if people haven't already Megan Megan, I saw that you have planted garlic recently. Have you planted garlic before or is this your first time growing it? This is about my third time growing it. It's, it's such a great veggie to grow and onion and garlic are, are probably my top two actually of winter veggies because there's nothing beats home 
onions and garlic. People think why grow onions, you know, they're so cheap at the shop to buy a bag of onions, but have your own onions and garlic and they're ju- they're, they're the best. Fry up a cooked onion and everyone will have onions for dinner. They're so sweet. They're so delicious. The garlics are fabulous. Um, there's two type hard necks and soft necks. I just have a look at what ones um, are best for your climate. But I just, yeah, I just love them. I grow a heap, way too many that I need. So I just harvest them all. They dry, store really well, same as the onions. They store really well. As long as you keep them dry after harvest, they'll, they'll get you through to the next year. So I can nearly grow enough to keep me going for 12 months. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're pretty addictive as well. And they're, they're really beautiful. Like the colours, you can get the stripy purples and things now are really pretty and they, they they're quite easy to get online as well you just got to know when they're coming out because they do sell out pretty quickly yeah very interesting and now is an ideal time for anyone listening now is a great time to be getting garlic in if you haven't already i'd like to pick your brain yeah. a little bit more about growing garlic if that's all right megan um tell us about tell us about how you do it um how far apart do you put the cloves and how much does it does it yield like depending on on how, like how much you're planting so with garlic that takes about nine months between planting and harvest so you really want to get them in and and just knowing that they do take a long time to get through um probably with some key points is they really don't like competition so not putting them in a really weed heavy bed and just continuously weed out anything that comes up in saying that, I do put them in relatively close. Mine are probably about 10 centimetres, 15 centimetres apart. Uh, you've got to leave enough room, obviously, for the bulb to form um, and you don't want them touching. So in your head, just have about a, um, that in your mind when you're planting them out. And I usually leave, um, yeah, about that 10 centimetres, 15 centimetres. And then I've just got them in rows just so that you can see them coming up and it's easier to weed. Um that's about it really you don't want to overfeed them because you'll get too much leaf growth and not enough bulb forming um then they usually get harvested around that august september time and the best way to tell if they're ready is just to scratch down and see if that bulb's forming you can get um uh, a bulb where it doesn't actually you'll get one big bulb and it won't split into the little cloves um but i've only happened that happened a few times and mostly you'll get a pretty decent sized bulb like i very rarely wouldn't get something that would um, rival what you buy in a grocery store. Yeah, that's so. And interesting. I don't, I don't tend to fertilize them or anything like that because you'll get too much top-heavy growth. Um, you'll get the uh, some will put up a flower spike, some won't. You can, um, where if it does send up a flower spike, uh, just cut that off, and you can use that in pestos and all sorts of things. That's called the scabe, and you can use many, many things for that. So that's completely edible as well. A bit of pesto and that sort of stuff is really good. So cut that off because otherwise your plant will put the energy into that flower bulb and making seed rather than what it's got under the ground. Um, but they're really forgiving and they're, they're really good to grow too. Hold tolerant. Uh, um, I mean, and just have a look, depending where you are, uh, try and get some that will handle the, the warmer winters and, you know, because garlic's typically grown in Tasmania and Victoria, those really cold climates. So if you're warmer, just try and find some. But I've, I've got the real cold ones as well and that might just be a smaller bulb. But um, And then when you're after your harvest, just save a few, break them up, save a few of your biggest cloves because they'll be your biggest, strongest straight out of the ground for the next season and just save them and, and just replant again. 
Yeah, I love that. And so once you've harvested them, you mentioned they store for ages. How do you store your garlic? So I get it. Um, if anyone's got old shearer stretches, I find are really, really great because you can just put your stretcher down. You can either have it um, as the bed would traditionally be or up against a wall vertically and it's just a really good grid that you can just put all your garlics and onions in and have the bulb at the top and the tops hanging down until they dry because you don't want any moisture where the bulb is and the leaves join into the bulb you don't want any moisture left there because that's where it'll start to rot so you need to hang them upside so the moisture drains down and then once they're 100% dry, you can just cut the leaves off and, and store them or you can put them into a fancy plat, whichever you like. Just if you do plat, make sure there's good aeration when you store them and there's no moisture there so they can't start a rot because once you get a rot, it can go through quickly if you're not checking them. When you're okay. with your garlic, Megan, how long does it stay in storage for? Like how long is your shelf life? The shelf life, I've never had to take it longer than 12 months because I will have eaten most of it um, throughout the off-season in the summer and then the have picked the best clothes for seed. So it'll get me through virtually 12 months' worth and I haven't really had any extra to, to store for longer than that. But I, I can't see it kept in the right conditions. It wouldn't keep for longer. Yeah, fantastic. That's good to know. I've actually planted garlic this year. I've planted it before. And then we had to, we had a pipe got blocked and we had to get a plumber through and Phil was like, we're going to have to put a mini excavator through this garden bed. And I'm like, but that's my garlic. <laughs> Not my garlic. <laughs> <laughs> so I planted it this year. Um, and so, yes, fingers crossed it, it goes well. But I'm as, I'm as I said, I'm a newbie to it. So what tips do you have for any newbie gardeners out there as well? Is there anything else you want to throw in on, on growing gar- garlic for this year? I mentioned before that there's soft and hard neck varieties. So the hard neck ones have a physically one of the leaves which turns into the flower spike um, is hard. It's quite stiff and rigid. Um, and those varieties are better grown in colder areas, whereas if you're in warmer conditions, um, you want to be looking for soft neck varieties which um doesn't mean to say you can't dabble with both always you know more is more at the end of the day so if you want to have it go but if you're tossing up between the two if you're in a warmer climate climate like Moree north go the softer well i think they actually say sydney north but you can i've still grown um hard and soft neck but soft necks are recommended more for warmer conditions so with that in mind give it a go keep your weeds down um plant and just be careful and if you're in a wheat growing um area you might notice as well you can get some leaf rust on your garlic um i've never had a fail because of it i've certainly had the the striping of it and it can be um nutrient deficient or something so if you do see that and it's starting you feel like it's starting to take over too much have just give it a light fertilizer don't fertilize too much because like i said before you will get too much top growth and not enough bulb formation yeah, that's so interesting. And I, I had no idea about the hard and soft tops either. So that's a really, really great tip. Yep. It's a, yeah, garlic is one of those things I love. We eat it all the time. And so it's a great one to get in the garden. And and I have heard it is relatively easy um, to grow. So it might be a good one for all you newbies out there. If you're also garlic lovers, get some in the ground. If you haven't ever planted it before, it's a good time to go. I heard the saying once, and 
I actually planted mine on Anzac Day to plant on Anzac Day and harvest Remembrance Day, Megan. Have you heard that one before? Yeah, that'd be about right for sure. I think the only thing there would be just be careful if it's still 35 degrees on Anzac Day. Um, This year it wasn't too bad, but it can be quite warm. So because it takes that nine months to grow roughly, that you need to get get them in early, particularly in warm conditions. You can't be waiting too long or you won't have enough winter to get them through. But in saying that, you'll still get something and you and the plants can all completely edible as well. So you can um, it's never completely lost. Fantastic. And just talking about garlic, how often do you water? What what's their water requirements like? Well, any veggies that I don't treat my veggies like they have any different watering. Um, needs to any others I just water with wobble teas throughout all of my garden and everything just gets a hit when when the tops dry down a bit I just give it a hit the only time I'm, I'm more caring to certain um, veggies is if they're brand new seedlings or the seeds I'll, I'll give a top up you know a couple of times a day if they need it otherwise everything just gets done on wobble teas and just as long as that grounds um as long as that ground's moist, you don't want it wet. I think a lot of people get in the trap, in particularly in winter, of overwatering because especially if you've got mulch, you want to be making sure that your garden actually needs a drink and you're not thinking, gee, I watered last week, I haven't done it for a few days, I'll just pop a sprinkler on because you can rot your veggies, especially your root ones obviously that are in the ground, can rot. So just make sure that it is actually wet and it needs to be, um, needs to be watered. Yeah, that's a really, really good tip because you, you're right. You know, we get into that trap of, of thinking we haven't done it for a little bit and especially coming out of the hotter months where you're so used to the ground just drying up really quickly, it's really good idea to check. And there are a lot of people out there that have the, the little soil water meter testers and that kind of thing that gives them a good idea. But realistically, just pulling that mulch back and sticking your finger in that top, sto- top soil, that's going to give you the best indication. Absolutely. I think, you know, so many of these little gadgets are, are certainly not necessary. You know, a quick dig with a shovel or a scratch with your finger is, is all you need. hundred percent. Now, if I was to ask you what your favourite vegetable is to grow, Megan, what would it be? Oh, um, winter, I think I could probably list all of them. But, yeah, the onions, garlic, broccoli is a good favourite. My kids love the broccoli. English spinach, and then I can't forget the sugar snap peas either probably. So, <laughs> Almost everything in winter is pretty good. Um, the sugar snap peas and snow peas. Actually, at the moment, my kids really love all the, you know, they love growing massive, big things. So anything that's big, they love to grow. So a few broccoli go and, you know, cauliflower go to see how big they can possibly get. And they always end up going past the point of um, eating. But the chooks get them, they're happy. And this summer they're all carting around, um, uh, you know, big. I've got some... Candy roasters I tried for the first time this year, which are these massive big um, pumpkins. They love growing them, tromboncinos, um, New Guinea bean, or anything that's that sort of big, which is, they're all and they're decorating the garden at the moment and they will store for a long time yet. So that's all what's going in in the garden. And, um, yeah, they'd, they'd be my favourites, garlic, onion, broccoli and peas and the English spinach, I think, and a long-winded answer. But, yeah, that, that would be my top. So can I ask you a question then? Do your sugar snap peas actually make it into the house? Because mine never do. Never, never. <laughs> I think last year I put in about 50 metres around in front of the hedges and I don't think we ever got them inside. They, the kids stand there and they just 
eat them and eat them eat, which is great. And it's one of the, the best things about the veggie garden is to, for the kids to be standing there. But it's, yeah, you're right. They'd never get in there, no matter how many. I thought I'll double it. That way I will definitely get some into a salad or a stir fry. I don't, that's, I, I don't think I'll do I might have to triple it. I'm not sure. Oh, I know. No, they're just beautiful. And, and I'm eating there right alongside the kids. They're just so sweet. And if you haven't ever grown sugar snap peas, Megan and I highly recommend you give them a go this winter. They are amazing. They are, they are absolutely amazing. You're right. Well, you know, coming to the end then, tell us what jobs you're doing in your garden this May. Jobs in the garden is staying on top of those weeds um, as the vine's finishing up, just making sure that there's nothing too major under that um, soil, you know, like, um, you know, mouse burrows, that sort of things to fill in, top dressing with compost and top dressing that again with some some hay um, and just succession planting. A lot of those winter veggies, you know, you don't have the big sprawling vines that you do in summer, so you've got a bit more space, a bit more usable area. And just that succession planting, just calling into the nursery, grabbing a punnet so you can fill the holes in after you pick your lettuce and that sort of thing. Keeping my hedges in check, I'm trying to build that microclimate all the time with saltbush hedge and lily pilly hedge and I've got a fajoa hedge and a fig hedge that surrounds my garden. So just keeping that in check, making sure it's staying compact will be a big thing this winter, not letting things get too leggy and... Um, that's about it really, getting the kids out there, keeping the chooks out of the veggies and in the trees and, um, yeah, that's about it for us. Yep. We just – winter is such a wonderful time, you know, like it's it can be hard to get out on winter days but the veggies, you know, it's not like summer where you've got to be looking after things with the water requirements. Veggies are very forgiving in winter and they'll, they'll still be there after a cold, windy day. So even if you don't get out into the, into the garden every day, they're, they're still there powering along in winter. Yeah, I love that. It's one of the best things about it that this time of year and, and winter is that, you know, you can be out of it, you can get caught up, you mightn't have been in the veggie garden for a few days and everything's still okay, whereas everything's a little bit more touchy in summer. I think so. And I think the fear, you know, so many people have the fear of snakes, which I'm certainly not free from. They're, you've got the summer and those big vines and you feel like they're lurking everywhere and um, you see a snake and, you know, you wonder how many you miss. But um, they're always there. With winter's so much more relaxing, I feel like. My youngest is only 18 months. I feel like you don't have to watch them in winter for snakes and things like that. So it's more relaxing. They might get wet and cold a little bit when they play in the sprinklers at winter, but it's a good time to be out there. So I just encourage everyone to call into their local nursery, grab a punnet of veggies and, and just make a start. Even if you don't have a veggie garden, put them in a, um, you know, you, you, or existing garden, but you don't have to have a veggie garden bed designated to veggies. You can grow lettuce anywhere. So um, have a crack. Absolutely. And pots. I've seen some amazing things grown in pots, veggies grown in pots. And so, you know, anybody can have a space for a little bit of a pot of something somewhere. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just for winter, you know, if you just get a little bit of parsley and pop it in a pot and at the back door, it once you get those few successes and a few wins under your belt, it just, it takes over and you want to do more and more. So just start with a pot at the back door and then you can, it can be right there when you, you know, you want to put it in your meals or something like that. And then you'll find you get these little successes and it just, it grows and grows um, like a weed at the end of the day. And um, next you'll be, you know, you'll be having a four-acre veggie garden maybe. Oh, it does. It sucks us all in. Now, before it we does, go, Megan, yeah. I want you to tell our listeners, why are you burying undies in your garden? 
<laughs> so it's a really good activity with kids and we just have, you know, the kids love it. You can send them to – everyone's got those old undies with no elastic in them left and the kids save them now and they um, get their little cotton undies and we go out to the garden and we dig it into this into the garden beds and it's an, it's an experiment to see how much biodiversity is in your soil. So the quicker your undies rot away, the better your soil is and the microbes and the biodiversity is. So the idea is bury them in, cover them up, leave them there for a month or two. And when you pull them out, if you've got whole, we've pulled them out and we've literally only had the elastics left. And it's, you know, kids and under humour just go hand in hand. They absolutely love it. So <laughs> it's just a great idea uh, that I saw run by the um, University of New England. And, um, you know, it's so good. Kids love it. Get their undies in there. See what see what's eating them and see what you've got in your soil at the end of the day. And hopefully when you pull them out, um, you won't have any cotton left. And if you do after a few months, then maybe it's time to think about your soil microbes and how to improve them. And just on that then, what do you do to encourage good soil health in your garden? I mean, you have the amazing compost, which I know comes with its, its own host of microbes and that kind of thing. But what else do you add into your garden to help encourage that soil health? So what I it is just that compost level is is absolutely brimming with life. It's and it's a bit like build and they will come. You look after your soil. Um, even my ground is is really hard. Like I wouldn't, I cannot dig a hole and without putting a hose on the ground. Like I can't just put a shovel in and dig a hole. It's crowbar country. But um, you put this compost on the top, keep it moist, keep the mulch on, and it just softens everything. And your microbes come, they break it all down. When you harvest your veggies, so if you've got a big thumping um, broccoli plant, just cutting things off at the base of the ground, not pulling your veggies out. So even um, so, that goes from big to small. Leaving all the root systems in the ground, whether it's a lettuce, a broccoli, whatever it might be, just don't rip it out of the ground um, because you're pulling up all that um, all that organic matter by snipping it off at the ground level and leaving that root in. It just it gives a little highway for when it so if moisture can follow those roots down as they break down, it's softening the soil, it's leaving organic matter in the soil. The more organic matter in the soil, the better. And and more organic matter is giving food to the microbes. They want to be churning that over and turning it into nutrient for you. So you're not having then to bring in other fertilizers. So leaving your roots in there, leaving your um, vegetable matter on the ground as mulch. So with my um, vines I just leave them there I know you can get a lot of vines so anything surplus or it's not practical to leave them there goes to the pile with the chooks but if you need mulch just break it down squash it down leave it on there because it's come out of the ground and to go back in the ground is exactly what it needs to do so you're, you're just continuing that cycle so to increase micro diversity lots of different um, veggies all the time keeping keeping something in the ground all the time because if you have nothing in there and I mean a few weeks or a month is fine but you don't want to prepare a bed and not plant it for six months if if you don't have anything to do in that bed for six months put a green manure, manure crop or something like that in but if you have nothing growing you have nothing to feed your microbes so just making sure that it's just ticking over all the time is really the key and build and they will come and and your soil will thank you for it and your veggies will be so much better I love that. Megan, thank you so much today. I feel like you've given us 
some really great insight into your garden and some great tips. Everybody needs to go out and dig their undies into their garden and make sure that yes, their soil absolutely. health is important. But yes, thank you so yes, much. Yeah, well, yeah, I love it. I love it. And and the um, project was Saw Your Undies and I think that's a great, it's a great concept. It's something that everybody can use to go out and just see what their soil health is doing. And composting is also a lot of gardeners will have their own compost heap, but having that compost is such an important part of those microbes. And if everybody has a compost heap and they're putting stuff into the heap and they're turning it and they're getting it into the soil, you're encouraging that soil health. You're adding that amazing nutrients. And it's, it's incredible what you can grow when you have those factors right. Absolutely. And then, you know, if you um, want to do a worm farm is another way of using your, or uh, you know, your house food scraps or anything like that too. So worm farms are another amazing way to get micro uh, microbes going in your soil with worm juice or worm castings as well. Yes. Actually, I have a big bathtub out near my veggie patch at the moment that's about to become a big big worm farm that's my plan it's it's great yeah we've got a we've got a um, bathtub as well no it's really good it's it's a good one to have now just quickly then i'm just going to pick your brain super super quickly before we yeah. go yeah. with your bathtub worm farm um how did you how did you go about it did you put any layers in there i've heard some people put sand in the bottom some people put rocks did you put anything in there what did you do so mine is built up on a frame, so the bathtub is about at chest level so that you can use the drainage out of the, the plug hole into, and a bucket can sit underneath it. And then so you've got the bathtub sitting there, so then I've got large rocks in the bottom of that and then I put a geofabric on top of that. You want something, yeah, shade cloth is fine, anything like that. You just want a barrier that's not going to break down so you don't want to use cardboard or hessian or something like that. You want it to be there permanently because what it does is stops the worm casting in your soil from from clogging the rocks up because your rocks is what drains it into the hole. And then um, I put, again, cotton compost in there just as the worm bed for them. The worms are in there. I use shredded paper. The office work, when I do my office work, I just shred the paper. It all goes into the worm farm, um, my veggie scraps, um, leaf matter, anything like that. And then on top I put um, card, wet cardboard, uh, beer boxes, packing boxes, anything like that got um a pallet that sits on there so the chooks can't get in the top of it and scratch it because it's all sitting there near my chook chook yard and my compost bins um and then really it's just a matter of i fixed it uh, like a ball valve tap on the bottom of my plug hole um so i just turn it on so it can get the water can drain out of it uh, the, with the worm juice sorry to drain out of it and then you can harvest your worm castings as well. So that's just a matter of moving the worms out of the way and collecting that that goodness out of that that black gold and getting it in as well. And that's really good small amounts of that into your pot plants or anything like that can be used and it's just jam-packed with all the goodness that you need. Fantastic. That's good. I, I literally have it sitting down there and ready to go and I've heard some other people use it and they've all done different things but – that's fantastic. And so anybody else out there that has an old bathtub lying around, it's a great use for it. And, you know, that worm juice really gives, and castings, gives, gives your plants so many beneficiaries. It, 
the only other point for your worm farm is to make sure it doesn't get too hot or too cold. They they do hate the cold, the worms, and because a bathtub obviously isn't particularly well insulated, um, make sure it, ideally you want morning sun, afternoon shade so that you've got the morning in both winter and summer, you've got the morning to warm them up, but you don't have that heat blasting of them in the summer because they will turn their toes up if they get too hot or too cold as well. And to insulate that can just be as easy as um, – throwing a horse rug over it or, you know, something like that. If it's on the ground, you can build um, – I probably wouldn't do this in summer, but in winter you can certainly build um, – put bales of hay, little loosened bales or something around it to insulate it and keep it, it and keep it to a constant temperature. Love it. Great tip. Megan, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. I um, love following your page on Instagram. Again, guys, if you aren't following her, jump on. She's Gingham Gardener. She's got some great advice on there, some great tips and some beautiful photos. So thank you, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. Fantastic. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Shannon. Bye. Our question of the week comes from Charlotte. Charlotte is down near Newcastle and her question is, Hi. I have just planted my first lot of cauliflower. I have never grown these before and I am still new to gardening. Can you give me any tips to make sure these survive? First of all, Charlotte, thank you so much for sending in your question. And second of all, I can give you a great tip when it comes to cauliflowers. And this also applies to broccoli as well and cabbages and a lot of the winter veggies. Cover them. So get a fine net and, you know, I have stakes in the ground and net over the top of them and that is going to protect them. The biggest thing that seems to happen to brassicas is they get eaten by slugs or caterpillars or some sort of insect will just absolutely decimate them and it can almost happen overnight. Last year I netted for the first time and the difference was was amazing and I didn't have to use any pest control it was purely just the net stops the moths getting in there and laying their larvae and made an incredible difference so Charlotte I hope that helps definitely net them as soon as you can and that will keep the bugs out of it it will also keep any other critters from eating them because birds love to eat them too and hopefully you will have a beautiful crop of cauliflower Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. You can tune in next week to another episode of Grow Your Patch. And if you are loving this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could give it a rating and review on wherever it is you are listening to it from. Doing that just means it bumps it up and other people will be able to find this podcast and hopefully we can help other people grow their patches as well. In the meantime, if you'd like to see what happens in my life behind the scenes, you can give me a follow. I am a country mum on Instagram. See you next week.